interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. There are 17 kinds of people in the world. Anyway... Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely sunny downtown Halifax. Although I don't know if it's going to be that sunny in the uh, cu next couple of days, but we'll get to that in about half an hour's time. For now, let's check out what is going on over at Low Bias Gaming. There's a fair amount of stuff to watch this weekend if you so desire. Starting with uh, Scarlet with, I think, the entirety of his uh, playthrough of Typing of the Dead Overkill. A big old nine videos to watch there, and that was for the Low Bias Monthly February 2019 Zombie Games. Um, Jason bringing his monthly uh, as well. Uh, he has played Gungrave, and there are currently six episodes available of that. Uh, Jason also brings us two new episodes of Shovel Knight, Back from the Dead being the uh, one of the more recent ones, but there are two uh, available for you. And then the monthly for March of 2019, which has just started today. Um, games, uh, bad games that have good box art. That's a bit of a strange subject, but sure. Um, Jason brings us Magmax, and, um, yeah, that's kind of a strange game. I did play it as a kid. There's a lot of things wrong with me as a kid. Anyway, um, also, the 365 days of the Super Nintendo is still in full swing, with Bust-A-Move being today's latest entry, also known as Puzzle Bobble. Uh, and Shantae and, uh... The full name here, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, uh, being the latest uh, soundtrack available on the site. Anyway, it is the weekend, it is the 90s. It's not the 90s. Who am I talking to here? I'm being anachronistic for no reason, so maybe we should get some music, shall we? Where we can be even more anachronistic, but because I'm pretty sure this song is from the 90s. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was originally by Ron Wasserman, uh, recomposed by Iku Mizutani and Kinuyo Yamashita, and is the main theme of today's game from the archives. Don't look now because her hideous uh, her hideousness is back and she's meaner and uglier than ever. This time, Rita Repulsa is out to pulverize the Power Rangers once and for all and she's brought all of her nasty friends along the way to do the dirty work. But Jason, Trini, Billy, Kimberly, and Zack are at their morphing best with the awesome power of the Super NES machine on their side. Incredible graphics, amazing sound, and unbeatable action make this the battle of uh, make this battle of good and evil an instant SNES classic. The game features seven challenging levels of play, ending with breathtaking all-out battles against Rita's most fearsome henchmen, including Bones, Eye Guy, and many more. Only the power of the Super NES can put all of the characters in excitement. Uh, of the phenomenal hit uh, TV series right at your fingertips. So what are you waiting for? Morph into action. Now with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So yes, this is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I'm sure that you couldn't guess that at all from the last sentence of that. It's a beat-em-up game for the Super Nintendo developed by Natsume, published by Bandai, and released in 1994. And the Power Rangers games have never really stood out all that much to me. Um, then again, I'm not a uh, proponent to beat em up games, but um, that is the game that Scarlet decided to play for us for the inaugural Low Bias Monthly in January 2015. There are six episodes available on the website, lowbiasgaming.net. Uh, check it out if you so desire.
That was Life's Pretty Beachin', as in the beach, the place with sand and water and all that. And that was by SoundSync 5000, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. And as usual, I will let you know that I am still looking for something similar to news of the weird, but from a different source as... um, Electric Leftovers is also doing news of the weird. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to let me know over on Twitter at SquareSym, S-Y-M. And I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these may not jive well with all audiences. This segment is usually about 13 to 15 minutes long, so take that as you will. Our lead story for today, religious rascality. You know what I was saying about uh, some of these might not jive well with all audiences? This one might be one of them. Pastor Alf Lukau of Alleluia International Ministries in Johannesburg, South Africa, is facing lawsuits after a stunt in which he appeared to resurrect a dead man on February 24th. Sweden News reported that a video of the incident shows Lukau placing his hands on the man's stomach as he lay in the coffin when suddenly the man, identified as Elliot, begins to gasp for air and sits up. Can you see what happened? Lukau exclaims, exclaims in the video. This man died since Friday. He was in the mortuary. Devil, I told you, wherever I find you, I will kick you. <laughs> nice choice of words. Pastor Rochelle Combo uh, said the hearse driver heard noises coming from the coffin and ran away as, as soon as he arrived at the church. I was screaming, she said. I saw his tongue moving. The man of God completed the miracle by praying because prayer is the key. The lawsuits, meanwhile, stem from the misrepresentation of the situation to three funeral parlors whose services were sought by church officials. A coffin was uh, was bought from one, and the hearse was hired from another. Prince Mafu, who is representing at the funeral homes, said the matter had been reported to the Jeppe police station for further investigation. That's not cool, yo. That's... I mean, sometimes you have the televangelists creating kind of iffy miracles. But resurrecting people from the dead, well, fake resurrecting people from the dead, that's definitely not cool. Well, real resurrecting people from the dead would be even worse, but uh, potato potato. People with issues. Volleyball players at the University of Kansas had reported to Lawrence, Kansas police a number of break-ins over 2017 and 2018, but it was the list of missing items that was most puzzling. Swimsuit bottoms, socks, shoes, and many pairs of underwear. After a spring break 2018 incident, police got a lead in the case. Surveillance video captured a suspect vehicle that had a dealership sticker in the window. The Lawrence Journal World reported that officers worked with the local dealership, which had loaned the car to Skyler and Yee, 23, while his own car was being serviced. 
Yi, a volunteer assistant volleyball coach since 2016, was arrested and charged with 15 counts of bur burglary, property damage, and theft after police searched his home in, er in early February, where they found a 40-drawer plastic storage container full of women's underwear with each drawer labeled with a player's name. Six other containers with underwear and, a and bags containing pink high heels, boots, a sundress, and a jumpsuit that victims had reported missing, along with jewelry, sex toys, and other items. Yi resigned from his position in mid-January. KU Athletic spokesman Jim Marcioni said, We have taken precautions to ensure that he is not permitted to be anywhere near the volleyball program. These stories today are terrible. Wow. Um... I guess let's keep going and hope it gets better, because honestly, I'm not feeling these. Bright ideas! There are two of them, I think, yes. Uh, Smartmouth Brewing Company in Norfolk, Virginia launched a new, quote, magically ridiculous, end quote, beer on March 2nd, Saturday morning, a limited edition IPA with marshmallows. Chris, ne uh, Chris Nakirk, brewery spokesman, told USA Today the beer is, quote, brewed with in-house toasted marshmallows and bulk dehydrated marshmallow bits. It has a soft, pillowy body with a slight cereal taste. Cereal taste from marshmallows? Yeah. Smart Mouth hopes the beer evokes, quote, nostalgia in adults who remember when Saturday mornings were time that you sat around watching cartoons and playing games, Nakirk added, while warning that the brewery is, quote, not, not marketing to children. It's much lighter hearted than the rest of this. Um, light pillow, a uh, soft pillowy body. Yeah, I would think so if you're putting marshmallows in it. But, I mean, I'm not a beer drinker, but that sounds intriguing at least. I would probably try it if I drank beer, but I don't. Um, I'm also not in Virginia, so, you know. Uh, another bright idea, if you're looking for a creepy weekend getaway, the gas station along Texas Highway 304 near Bastrop now offers overnight stays. Why, you say? The old filling station was, was the setting for the 1974 film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The gas station opened as a restaurant in 2016, serving barbecue and souvenir merchandise to film buffs. Manager Ben Hughes said the Coke machine in the movie is the same one that's now in the restaurant, and they have a van parked outside that's an exact replica of the one in the film. Now, he tells KVUE-TV, fans can stay in one of four mini cabins right behind the restaurant. But Hughes promises the staff won't try to scare you. We want to make sure that everyone ha uh, that comes out has a good time, not just freaking out or anything like that. I can understand why people would want to freak out in the set of the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but, you know, people are into that stuff. If so Some people will just kind of go back at their film history and go like, why do people still ask about this? But others embrace it, and they can make a mint off of it for one thing, and also it allows people to kind of more or less live in the experience. And it's 
kind of an interesting um, an interesting thing to, to go along with. Well, depending on the movie, anyway. Unclear on the concept. On February, thir uh, on February 13th, Nina Harris of Kentucky told her husband, Alan, that she wanted to ellipse her Valentine's Day. As she explains it, he wasn't paying attention. He just said, yes, I know. When I got up, I had my first cup of coffee, a coffee, and he said, Oh, your turnips are here. And I said, turnips? Nina told WPVI-TV. Alan's story is slightly sweeter. I put the turnips in the bucket that says I love you on it, he said. I went, there, I went in there, got a coffee, and here you go. Alan, who admitted he wasn't really listening when Nina requested tulips, later made it up to her by getting her the flowers and candy and balloons. So kind of, it, it seems to me like he had this joke set up to begin with and then she asked for tulips and it just kind of, hmm. Puzzling times these are. Puzzling times. Our next story, wait, what? Filipino medicine man uh, Angelito, Angelito Oret, my goodness, Angelito Oretta, there we go, 55, has had an unusual method of protecting himself and his home from thieves and attackers. He and his followers raid fresh graves near Manila to steal the kneecaps from corpses. Oretta uses a scalpel to move the, uh, the patella, a uh, patella? Pala yes. Okay. Oretta use, uses a scalpel to remove the patella, then soaks the bone in coconut oil for several days to dissolve the skin. Once dry, the bones can be uh, found scattered around his home or worn around his neck. The benefit that the guardian angels from the patellas will bring is that they will help your livelihood, Oretta explained to Metro News. The kneecaps are used for protection, or they also work as a shield. Oretta gifts the bones to his trusted friends and followers. Excuse me? What is wrong with you? That's not what you do with the dead. You just... Oh my goodness. Leave the dead alone. That's really all I have to say. That's rude. That's exactly what it is. It's rude. Speaking of rude, here's this story. Detective Constable Claire Fitzpatrick is no shrinking violet, evidenced by the fact that she's in danger of losing her job at the village police station in Bedwest, South Wales, England. The 44-year-old says her inappropriate language and habit of audibly breaking wind are just part of the, quote, culture of banter at the station. But she faces 25 counts of inappropriate behavior, including farting outside her sergeant's office, using the c-word with a suspect, and propositioning a junior officer, asking if he wanted an affair with a fatter, ugly, older woman. I mean, she said it, not him, I guess. DC Fitzpatrick told Metro News that swearing is, quote, just the nature of the place, and she had replaced the f-word with the c-word as her word of choice. However, she appeared to have regrets about her actions, calling them stupid. You know, I I listened to an episode of The Allusionist, uh, Allusionist with an A, uh, just recently, uh, uh, catching up with that series, and um, there's actually an episode about swear words, 
and um, people seem to think that the C word was the worst one. If you don't know what the C word is, well, you're probably better off. Our next subject, uh, our next topic rather, and our final topic for the day, Ew. Silence of the Lambs indeed. A Manchester, England woman named Joan has a unique project in mind for a custom clothing designer. It seems Joan, 55, is anticipating having her leg amputated because of peripheral arterial disease, reported the, the Daily Mail. So she reported, she posted rather, on soport.com, S-E-W-port.com, uh, requesting help to, quote, create something beautiful and useful, a handbag using her own skin. She has budgeted about $3,900 for the project, which she envisions as a, quote, medium-sized handbag with a short strap and a section down the middle that will be made from my skin, she explained in the post. I know it's a bit odd and gross, but it's my leg and I can't bear the thought of it being left to rot somewhere. There are no laws against her keeping the limb, although there is paperwork to fill out. Uh, Boris Hodakel, the founder of Soport.com, reports that no designers have come forward yet to help with Joan's request. I wonder why that is. I mean, that it's to be said that, you know, use every part of the animal, then why not use every part of the human, I guess? Oh my goodness. These stories today, these stories today, most of them were just... News of the weird. You're having a bit of an off week, aren't you? We'll try again next week. Anyway, uh, with that out of the way, we have weather news to, um, to read, and we have two weather warnings in effect. We have a snowfall warning and a special weather statement. Let's start with the snowfall warning. Snowfall with total amounts of 15 to 25 centimeters is expected. Snow, gusty winds, and local blowing snow for late Saturday into Sunday morning. A low-pressure system passing south of Nova Scotia will give snow at times heavy beginning afternoon on Saturday and spreading to Guysborough County by midnight. Snowfall amounts between 15 and 30 centimeters are forecast with, hi with higher amounts expected in the west and along the Atlantic coast. In addition, there will be blowing snow over exposed areas, especially along the Atlantic coast. Snow and gusty winds will diminish from west to east for mainland Nova Scotia, ending in the west Sunday morning and in the east by Sunday afternoon. Be prepared to adjust your driving with changing road conditions. Uh, surfaces such as highways, roads, walkways, and parking lots may become difficult to navigate due to accumulating snow. If visibility is reduced while driving, slow down, watch for taillights ahead, and be prepared to stop. Snowfall warnings are issued when significant snowfall is expected. In addition, special weather statement, a couple of low pressure systems will affect the Maritimes this weekend and early into next week. The first low will pass south of Nova Scotia Saturday night into Sunday. Snow ahead of the system uh, will begin over western Nova Scotia late on Saturday and spread to the east by overnight Sunday night, as previously mentioned. Um, it does mention here amounts possibly reaching 45 centimeters in the extreme southwest, so do be careful for that. 
Uh, forecast guidance is also indicating the approach of a second system on Monday. With this system, precipitation is expected to, uh, to start as snow Monday morning, but may change through freezing rain to rain for some areas through the day before ending Monday night. It is too early to provide more accurate estimates of precipitation amounts and types. However, conditions could be significant enough to disrupt transportation. So with that being said, uh, let's go on to the rest of the weather forecast. It is currently, let's just make sure, it is currently one degree, uh, minus one degree Celsius. Uh, wind chill of minus eight and sunny skies here in Halifax. Uh, looking at a few clouds tonight and a low of minus 10. Uh, Saturday, March 2nd, a 30% chance of light snow during the day and a high of plus 1. Uh, going down to a low of minus 8 and, as previously mentioned, snow at times heavy. Uh, Sunday, March 3rd, uh, flurries and a, high, and a high of minus 2 going down to a low of minus 8 and cloudy periods at night. Monday, March 4th, snow or rain and a high of plus 2 going down to a low of minus 7 and cloudy periods at night. Tuesday, March 5th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 1 going down to a low of minus 7 and cloudy periods at night. Wednesday, March 6th, a 30% chance of, flur of flurries and a high of plus four, uh, minus 4 sorry, going down to a low of minus 11 and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, March 7th, uh, cloudy skies and a high of minus 4 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's get some music going, shall we?
That was Lacera with Fields of Chips, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And today, I want to talk about a game. Just one this time. Who knew? <laughs> anyway, um, the later Castlevania games, the ones that I would that people would call Metroidvania style, are games that I tend to enjoy. I just replayed Symphony of the Night recently and always have had fun va- uh, exploring the vast castle and, <clears throat> excuse me, finding all of its secrets. But this review has nothing to do with any of those. Well, not the Castlevania games, anyway. The Toho games, meanwhile, tend to be games that kind of elude me. Known for throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, and sometimes the entire kitchen and sinks from other rooms at the player, try as I might, I tend not to do very well at those. Still, I'll occasionally try to take up the challenge every so often, even if it tends not to end well. Now... I know of at least one attempt to mix the original Castlevania with Toho, which ended up being Komajo Densetsu, or as Jason likes to call it, Kawamajau. Um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information readily available about its reception, but the fact that uh, there are three of these um, of this uh, series kind of speaks for itself. But has anyone put, tried to put Toho together with the later Castlevania games? Well, someone certainly has, and the result just came out of early access this week. Toho Luna Nights is, as you've probably assessed, a Metroidvania-style platformer game developed by Team Ladybug, published by Playism, and released, well, this past Wednesday, February 27, 2019. When Romelia Scarlet gets bored, she creates an alternate version of Scarlet Devil Mansion and sends her head made uh, former vampire hunter Sakuya Izayoi into it to face the dangers therein while also sealing her way uh, sealing away her ability to stop time at will however things end up not going quite as planned for anyone involved so let's start with the presentation the graphics are done up in a pixel art style which manages to feel very fluid though i find sakuya's um run animation to look just a little weird something with her arms going on i'm not quite sure uh, there are several different environments to the uh, castle, and they're all pretty and pretty pleasant to look at. Music has always been the biggest thing about any Toho branded game, though, and this game definitely does not disappoint in that respect. I always feel a little bad when I end up having to perform actions that cause the music to pause, as I love every single track in this game. Now, on to the gameplay. My first reaction once I got into this game was about how good the controls feel. Movement speed, physics, attacks, everything just feels spot on. Mind you, I did have one problem with the controls in that the directional pad seems to be a bit glitchy. Left is down, right is left, and down is right for whatever reason. Uh, Bad news there is that the 1.0 release didn't fix this, but at least I was able to work around it. In case anyone's ru- wondering, I'm using a modded PSP with Fusa gamepad running on it. Uh, basically just switching from digital to analog mode seems to do the trick. 
I will say that the stage prog progression is a bit linear for my taste. As the player progresses through a stage, they eventually find a key which allows them to open doors of that key's color. Although some paths are opened up through getting new abilities, any major progression is always obtained through getting the keys. On top of that, taking the wrong path without the correct upgrade can end up being a huge waste of time, forcing the player to double back and traverse a huge swath of challenging obstacles laden with myriad enemies just to get the upgrade they need, then make the trip back a third time to either progress or get some upgrades, then finally uh, sometimes having to go back through a fourth time to get back on track. I've had my share of both near misses, well I'm glad I went the other way first, and complete blockers. Oh Fergus, I need the blue key for this! <laughs> anyway, I will say, uh, plus the game isn't particularly forthcoming about certain mechanics such as gems increasing Sakuya's power and abilities or how to and why properly dispose of trash. Trust me, this makes sense in context. Probably the biggest hindrance, however, is the fact that every attack costs MP, whether using a spell card, there are six in the game, or a normal attack, which can result in Sakuya being unable to attack for a while, which is a huge problem while fighting a boss. As just mentioned, Sakuya does have some spell, uh, some spell cards she can use, which more or less mix up both Toho and Castlevania styles. Chainsaw, for instance, is reminiscent of, of the Castlevania's iconic axe sub-weapon, while uh, a much later spell card mimics the familiar system from Symphony of the Night. Meanwhile, spell cards such as Auto-Aim and Thousand Knives feel more at home to Toho and uh, akin to what Sakia would be wont to do. Other items are available, including HP and MP restoration, as well as the ability to summon the game's shopkeeper from any point in the game, including while in the middle of a boss fight. How's that for convenience? And one mechanic that um, took me a while to get used to, but which I particularly appreciated once I got used to it, is the game's implementation of Graze. Seasoned Toho shooter players will already know that Graze is a bonus system which awards points and occasionally power-ups to the player when they get in as close as possible to enemy shots. This mechanic is present in Luna Knights and is especially beneficial in that Grazing can restore HP and MP. This is a huge game-changer during bosses where the player might be on the ropes for a few moments, desperately trying to dodge attacks until the one massive Grazing opportunity comes up and voila! back up to nearly full health and MP and ready to take on another boss onslaught. In fact, why don't we talk about the bosses? I mean, they do tend to be kind of the main reason someone plays a Toho game, maybe like aside from the music. Uh, for the most part, I don't think the, the ones present in this game will really surprise anyone who's at all familiar with Toho lore, in particular the residents of Scarlet Devil Mansion. Uh, still, if you decide to play this, I'll let you discover who's present for the lineup. At first, the attack patterns might seem pretty daunting until the player realizes they're exactly that, patterns. And the bosses tend to be very much set in them, though I had, I particularly had a problem with the first boss, first boss which I felt didn't solidly follow her pattern all the time. After causing a sufficient amount of damage, as is Toho tradition, the boss will activate a spell card, which will usually add an additional, usually devastating attack uh, to her rotation. 
or possibly change the way they attack. In the end though, it's all about learning the pattern and knowing when and how to take advantage of it for both grazing and finding openings in which to attack. The last thing I'll mention is that despite the linearity of this game's progression, it's always possible to return to the previous stages with extra skills and spell cards accumulated through the rest of the game and go find upgrades that are hidden away in every nook and cranny of the castle. It might not feel that there's a whole lot to find, but what is hidden away tends to be hidden away pretty well, and every bit can help as the bosses get even harder. Fortunately, there is a portal in every stage to allow uh, for quick travel between stages. Except that one portal in stage one, not the regular one, the one out of the way one defended by Frankenstein monsters. What's up with that one? Hmm. I suddenly have an overwhelming desire to be eco-friendly. Anyway, overall, Toho Luna Nights has been incredibly rewarding for me to play th uh, through its flaws and quirks, and despite being a very short game, it'd probably be possible to clear the game in about three hours. Uh, but solving the various platform puzzles and facing off against challenging yet not impossible bosses has been so much fun, and it looks like there are some more updates on the horizon which might end up adding a little extra content to the game. I just hope that the game's developer doesn't end up being a complete lunatic about the difficulty. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's um, let's have a little taste of the music from Toho Luna Nights, shall we? Thank you. 
And that was the theme for Stage 1, Lunar Clock, Lunar Dial. And uh, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM, Halifax. And I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing, and I will share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing. This is actually a thing that I found a very long time ago. Uh, Well, I say I found it, but it's a uh, friend of mine who brought this to my attention. Um, It is from a a website called Warehouse 23, which um, which which is in itself an outlet for... um, Oh, what's his name? Steve Jackson Games. And you can buy all sorts of games from uh, Steve Jackson Games from there. You can buy Munchkin. You can buy uh, books for the um, for GURPS, which is an RP system. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff. But um, there is one part of uh, Warehouse 23 which probably most people don't know about, and that is the basement. Um, there's all sorts of things in the basement for Warehouse 23, which are kind of interesting to read. And you can uh, go see them at basement.warehouse23.com. Um, let's go into level one of the ba- of the uh, basement and see what we can find. You open one of the 999 boxes on this floor and find an index card containing a recipe for cooking fungi from Yugoth with shallots and a light cream sauce. Hmm. Here's another box. A bottle of the hottest pepper sauce the world has ever known. My goodness. I think that's a little too hot for me. Let's um Let's go down to level two and see what we can find there. Silence. As long as the box remains open. As long as the box remains open, all sound within 25 meters is completely nullified. The box appears to be empty. Hmm. Creepy. Let's open another box and see what we can find here. We find explosive donuts. They look and taste like normal donuts, but detonate with the force of a stick of dynamite if subjected to sudden stress or impact, such as biting. That's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Going down to level 3. It's getting a little... A little too real for me. We find a, bo- a bottle of smart pills. Taking one will permanently increase intelligence. There is no upper limit, but abuse will cause you to get bored really easy. Mm, smart enough, thank you. What's in this box? You find a freeze-dried plastic wrapper package. It's labeled Preserve Cthulhu. Just add water alone. Let's down on level 4. A small brightly colored plastic press, apparently one of uh, the type found in any Play-Doh squoosh mixing set. When any organic matter is placed into the appropriate place and squeezed through, however, what emerges is anti-Play-Doh. A child-sized pair of lead oven mittens is included but does not mute the explosive effects if the anti is mixed with the normal Play-Doh. How about level 5, the very bottom level? We find a paperback novel entitled The Worst Book in the World. It's right, not even the part about the fish is interesting. 
And one more. We find a drop of about 160 floors. You stare at where the bottom of the box should be and try to focus on the dark city street far below. You reach into your pocket, find a penny and drop it into the box just to see if, an, if it is an illusion. When the penny doesn't stop falling, falling after a few inches, you quickly close the box and walk away, trying to ignore the muffled sound of breaking glass and screeching tires behind you. I've had about enough of these boxes for now, but I encourage you all to take a look at what is down in the Warehouse 23 basement. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
and that song was a breeze by mock and that is rounding off our hour for today i hope that you guys uh, enjoyed the content that i had to bring you at the the yes um at least the uh review for toho luna nights as well as the basement uh of warehouse 23 and um I do hope that you check out both of those things because they are pretty good things to check out. But for now, it is time to call it a day. And um, I will be, of course, back next week with some more stuff for y'all and um, hopefully a little bit more pleasant. Anyway, um, here we go. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at uh, Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Nimiki, Noriki Mikura, Simon Whittington, Niflis, Pink Projects, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at, uh, at 7 p.m. and at 8.30, anything goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of the show. is available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>